0: Chapter Three of A Candle for Our Lady by Regina Victoria Hunt. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Chapter Three After a bad year, things were going well with us. Your grandfather, Joan, had exchanged some land near Poton for the South Field. There was a good harvest. It seemed the whole country prospered, and was full of praise for the good young Harry and his kind queen, the Lady Catherine. She was so, Father Ledhall put in. Once I was sent down to Greenwich on business with her almoner. A hard ride and a deluge of rain. But I was left, on arrival, in a drafty court while more important visitors were received. Then comes the queen, round and fair and smiling, like a rosy apple, and exclaims at my plight, "'Come, come, reverend sir!' says she, with just a trace of her native Spanish in her speech. If the Queen's almoner can't receive you, the Queen can. And she had me into her chambers, warmed at her fire and drinking old ale, before she would hear my business. A right royal lady, he sighed, and Joan's lip trembled, remembering how the good Queen had died, captive and alone. Poisoned, it was whispered, by the woman who had supplanted her only to mount a scaffold herself the king loved her then dame reynolds reflected remember father how in thanksgiving for the birth of an heir he rode down to walsingham shrine and dial of winter and offered a diamond necklace joan added her eyes sparkling like jewels at the thought twas that I gave my john and me mind to make the pilgrimage but we must wait until after the spring sowing so twas near our lady's day in august that we set forth john and me cousin will and your father Joan, a little lad just turned ten. Oh, what fun he had! But he got lost, my father, didn't he? Joan asked. Yes, on the last day of St. Swithin's Fair at St. Ives, and we had gone less than a two-day's journey. Well, back and forth we went among the throng lanes of the fairway, but no sign of the lad. So with a word to the constable we fared on to Overcoat, but heavy in mind lest he should have been taken by gypsies. But what do you think? As soon as we had crossed by ferry and come into the priory at Holywell, there I sat the boy munching bread and cheese, and telling the good monks of his adventure. And no sign of sorrow for the trouble and fear you had for him? The priest asked with a smile. Nay, father, not him. He only waved his hunk of bread at us, and grinned, boasting, I got here faster. His father was chafed and minded to punish him, but I reasoned that the lad was safe, when we were feared he might have come to harm to let it be, especially as we were making a holy journey. But aside, I told our James that surely it was the special protection of the Holy Virgin that preserved him, as we were going to pay her honor at Moldingham. Another time, he might not come off so well. You did right, woman. Good counsel is better than punishment, and James Reynolds was as fine a man as I've known, God rest him. Amen, father. Shame it seems that the sweating sickness took him off in his prime, leaving his old mother, but so God willed it, and he never forgot our pilgrimage. I know, Grandmother, Joan spoke up. He used to speak of the slipper chapel, where the pilgrims took off their shoes to go barefoot the last mile. Dame Reynolds laughed. And how he insisted on leaving his at the shrine, because the infant Christ was barefoot. And of the great copper statue of the knight at the gate, and the holy wells, and the chapel itself, how our Lady sits holding our Lord on her arm, and in the other hand a lily scepter, all decorated and gleaming. With King Henry's gift of diamonds, the most magnificent of all, oh, but then there's his father's silver statue of himself at prayer, and all the gold and silver and jewels bestowed by the king's or predecessors, and the whole chapel filled with the scent of incense and the sweet odor of melting wax from the forest of candles. Dame Reynolds folded her hands in her woolen shawl. I can never describe it. If only I could see it! said Joan. "'Grandmother, you've often promised that we should—' "'Yes, yes, when you are older. Now,' she rose and gathered up the wooden and pewter platters and bowls, "'on with your lesson, girl.' Reluctantly, Joan turned her attention to the prayers and ABCs lit in the vellum of her hornbook. Try as she would, she couldn't concentrate, and stumbled over her recitation. "'I—I'm sorry, father.' "'What's the matter, child?' Joan was usually a good student, quiet and attentive, unlike her restless, active-bodied brother. Is it the tale of Walsingham?" "'Yes, father. We've been told, for, oh, so long, that we would make the pilgrimage. But grandmother always says, when you're older, now I'm eleven, and Jim's past thirteen. "'Leave it to me, Joan. I'll talk to her.' "'You, father?' The girl's joy radiated from her serious gray eyes. Oh, thank you. Father Ledhall rose and approached the spinning wheel. Dame Reynolds, I'm thinking to her well soon to permit these young ones a pilgrimage to Our Lady's Shrine. Aye, Father, but they're yet so young. Older than our father was, Joan interrupted. But he was with us, his parents. Even so, remember he got lost and might have come to mischief. You could go with them, couldn't you? The priest cast a glance at Joan, and she obediently disappeared into the curtained-off bedroom. "'Look, you, dame,' Father Ledhall, spoke quietly but forcefully above the wheel's loud humming, "'as you've heard from these gentry, the Lord Cromwell's attack on the monasteries reaches farther than at first we thought, and it's more serious than the king's breach with the pope, which may at any time be mended. "'Such a good religious king!' Dame Reynolds shook her head. Her work-knotted fingers slackened on the flax, and her foot slowed on the treadle. How can he permit? Perhaps he doesn't yet know or understand the import of his minister's course, but it's public knowledge that Henry's emptied the vast treasury his thrifty father left him, that he's badly in need of money. Suppose now the Lord Cromwell, who has been in Italy and is said to have first-hand experience of Florentine banking operations, suppose he shows the king all the wealth of the country's clerical endowments, and also, the means whereby he can, under color of reformation, appropriate much of this wealth for the crown? You mean, father, that all the monasteries, convents, priories, all that our fathers have gathered and built with their love and toil and treasure these many ages, could fall to sacrilegious hands? It has happened before, woman. It is happening today in Germany. Well, the point is that, if even the great monasteries are in danger, what's to prevent the despoiling of chapels and shrines— The king who offered a diamond necklace in 1511 might demand it again in 1539. Seeing the effect of his words, he added, Don't stay these young ones from making this journey of devotion. The time may not be distant when there will be no such pilgrimage to make. Dame Reynolds had quit her work, her eyes on the priest's grave face. God forbid it be as you say, father, but I'll try to find a way. Joan reappeared as the priest took leave and the two stepped to the door to see him mount his long-legged gelding as he bade them good-day dame reynolds noticed the blue-gray shadows creeping across the path why it's late joan i wonder what can be keeping your brother so long End of chapter three